I'm going to draw your attention to verse number 4. It says, And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So the title of my sermon this morning is A Hunger for God's Word. Are you hungry for God's Word? Are you, uh, do you long for it more than your food, like, uh, like Job said? I have esteemed the words of, of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, God said he's going to set up shepherds, which we need more shepherds. There's a, there's a need for more uh, Bible-centered uh, churches here in the, here in the United States, uh, in the world. Now, this chapter is against false prophets, false teachers teaching lies and, and not, not preaching the truth. And we are going to cover that. But what I want to also focus on and note is that uh, a pastor can prepare a good meal and, and set up a good sermon. But if the people don't have that hunger, then, then it goes in vain. So I want to start with, um, do you understand how precious, how precious this word is? How precious is the Bible? Like sometimes you have, um, you have a medicine and on the back it's got, it's got um, side effects. So today I want to show you the, the, side, the fire effects of feeding on God's word. Because verse 29 if you look at it with me, it says, It's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. So our word is as a fire. The hammer breaks and destroys, and the fire destroys, and it spreads fast. That's a great illustration of God's word. We have God's word, and when it was translated, it spread fast because people were hungry for it. People were desiring it. Now, Jeremiah was preaching to a backslidden uh, Judah, the nation of Judah. He lived through the revival in the, in the time, of, uh, time of Josiah. And then and when they found the book of the law, they, they got revived and they started living right. And it slowly started, started decaying. Now, this Bible is not just any book. It's a consistent message from Genesis to Revelation. It's about, about 40 authors through a period of about 2,000 years. They all preached this exact same message. It was consistent throughout that whole time. Now, even in the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job, we read that he stretches out the north over the empty spaces and hangeth the earth upon nothing, Job 26.7. So how did Job know that the earth was hanging on nothing? If this is just a book written by men, then he must have been some kind of spectacular man to be able to know that way back then in the oldest book of the Bible. Now, this is the book of Jesus Christ. You, you hear about the revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole entire book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, all the way from Genesis, all the way to Revelation. In Genesis 1-3, we read, And God said, John 1-1, In the beginning was the Word. In John through our Genesis 3-8, it said, the, They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. In Revelation 19-11, and 15, we read that, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. It says his name was called the Word of God. And out of his mouth go the sharp sword. Hebrews 4.12 is for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So this is the word of God. This is Jesus Christ. This is what you have in your hands. And, and we, should, uh, we should be precious to it. We should, we should esteem it high more than, uh, more than anything. Now turn your Bibles over to Psalm chapter 119. So speaking about the word of God, you can't, you can't avoid Psalm 119. That's probably the greatest chapter in the Bible talking about the word of God. Now, going into the, the Bible is precious, going a little bit into the, the King James only issue. We, we don't have enough time to go through it all. But one thing that, that stuck to me was when, um, when Constantine von Tischborn found Codex Sinaiticus, the Catholic Church before that was persecuting the Bible, and they wanted nothing to do with people understanding the Bible in their own language. But as soon as he found this, this um, manuscript, supposedly the oldest manuscript, now they were, they were for it. They were excited. That kind of threw a red flag out there. Why are they all of a sudden excited over a, a codex that was found when before that they were, they were persecuting it? That's because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the true word of God. 
Psalm 119, verse 89, we read, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. His word is settled. There's nothing that we can add to it. It says in verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That should be our, our goal. That should be our desire, is for God to open our eyes to, to see things out of his law. When you read the Bible, you should come to it with that understanding. You know what, God, I want you to show me something. When you come to church, you should, you should come and say, You know what, Lord, I want you to teach me something. I want you to, to edify me. I need something. We should, you should have that hunger. Because if a pastor, if it's a good pastor, which we do have here, a good pastor, Pastor Tommy, he takes time to, to prepare a good meal, prepare a good sermon. And if you don't have that desire, you're not going to be fed. You're not going to be edified, which is what, what was happening there in Jeremiah's time. Jeremiah was the, the prophet. He had the true word of God, the true message. But the people were vain. They were following the false teachers and the false prophets, and they went into wickedness. Verse 97, we read, Oh, oh how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 98, Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. So soul winning is a, is a very great time, very great um, opportunity to show the power of God. It's, uh, it's important for you to have the word of God when you go soul winning because it shows the credibility of the message, that it's from God, that it's not your own opinion, your own arguments. It's what the Bible says. And we actually had that happen yesterday. So first I was, um, I was in a hurry getting, uh, getting out of my house to... So I wanted to make sure I went and got my, my uh, Spanish New Testament with my Bible. So I left out of the house. And then we came here and we drove. And as we were driving, we got past the last exit where there was a gas station. I didn't notice any gas. So we're, we were praying the whole time. I was hoping nobody noticed it, but Brother Aaron noticed. He was kind of freaking out because we were on empty. You know, there was no more exits. So we got there. And as we got to, to the gas station, I didn't have my wallet. So thank God Brother, uh, Brother Austin had his wallet because Russ would have been stranded there. So we went into the gas station. <laughs> but it's important that... My mind was to make sure I had the Bible because it's important because the first person we talked to was, uh, was somebody that he went to a Catholic church and he said he read the Bible. He didn't understand it. He didn't know if it was going to heaven. So I opened the Bible and I showed him and he said, yeah, I believe the Bible. Like, I believe the message. I see it. And then he asked me this. He said, so tell me this. Why do the Catholic priests teach against it? It was after we read Romans 5.8. For God so loved or for God committed his love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if Christ died for us, he paid for our sins. Why are they teaching uh, all these false things? Like, well, it's... It's the, it's the teachers. They're prideful. They, they want to stick with their false message. But it's also the people that, that don't, want to, don't want to receive the truth. They don't want to open the Bible and see what the Bible says, see the truth. They're, it's pride. They want, to, they want to stick with what they have. Uh, turn over to 2 Kings chapter 22. Now we see here in Jeremiah, Jeremiah was preaching through, um, through a lot of kings that were in the, in the nation of Judah. He was there from Josiah the righteous King Josiah, all the way to Sedekiah to when they were uh, taken captive by the Babylonians. Now, during the reign of King Josiah, they found the book of the law. And we read there in Second uh, Kings chapter 22, verse 13. Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. So in one generation, everything fell apart. We had Hezekiah. He was righteous. He was following after the law. He was following after God, uh, getting rid of all the idols, uh, all the temples that were built up. And then he had Manasseh and then his son, Josiah. So with one generation, everything pretty much went, well, went astray. Now, after reading the, the law, it lit a fire under him. Josiah was, wanted to get right. 
He saw everything that was done by his father, and, and God brought Josiah to Judah to, to, to revive it. In Jeremiah 3.15, we read the same thing that, that we read before. And I will give unto you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understandings. So shepherds that will feed you. So it's interesting also to note, uh, while they're in Second Kings, turn over to chapter 25, talking about being hungry for God's word and having that desire and, and having your heart open to receiving it. It's interesting to when you see the account of, of when the Babylonians came to destroy um, Jerusalem. Verse 2 and 3 we read, And the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And on the ninth day in the fourteenth month the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people in the land. So in a time where there was a famine, they were hungry, they had no food, that's when they got destroyed. So don't, don't be like that. Don't, don't have a famine in your heart of God's word. Look for it, esteem it, and try to, try to keep it in your heart and keep it in your mind and always search more. Come to, come to church with a, with a heart to want to learn more, to, to pick up something else, to be edified. Now back in Psalms 119, 119 verse 105 is a, is a popular verse. Is thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need the Bible to, to show us where to go, show us the direction in our life. Whenever you don't know what to do, don't go after your own heart, your own desire. Just seek God and seek his, uh, his direction. Verse 1 and 2 also reads, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. So you should be seeking after God. As you read and feed on his word, the, the word will, uh, will provoke you and it will edify you. So you know what, you should, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Another thing is zeal. If you don't have any zeal, verse 139, My zeal hath consumed me because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. We should love his word. His word is pure, and a lot of, a lot of people die for it. If you just think of um, how much blood was shed for us to be able to have this English Bible and have it with us. We should think about that and be grateful for all those lives that were lost and, and read it. Read it every day. The people die for it. Now, one thing that the Bible being a, being a fire, fire destroys. One thing that this fire destroys is the Bible destroys vain doctrine. Head over back with me to Jeremiah 23. We're going to read over to verse 16. In Jeremiah 23, verse 16, we read, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart, and do not out of the mouth of the Lord. And then verse 25 and 26 also reads, I have heard what the prophets said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. So these prophets were, were preaching lies. Jeremiah was the man of God. He was preaching the truth. He was preaching God's message. But these other prophets were just vain. I couldn't help but compare this to, to Saul. They had Saul syndrome. They had a better plan, even though God's message, God's, God's, God's word was for people to, to, to turn the right way, to repent, to turn around and, and live righteously. They'd rather follow after the false teachers, after, after vanity. Josiah led Judah the right way, but after his death, everything kind of everything went astray because these, these prophets, these false teachers had, had a better plan. 
In Psalm 119, verse 104, we read, Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And verse 128 also reads, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. So twice in Psalm 119 we read that I hate every false way. God hates false doctrine. And this book, this fiery book, when you read it, when you hold it in your, it in your heart, you will also hate false teaching because you see the truth. This book leads many people to Christ because they see it. They see this is God's word. Like we said, this is Jesus Christ. The word leads you to him. Now, why do people follow, follow vain false teachers? Maybe there's a lack of, of good food. Like we said, there's a need for more pastors. Uh, people go to whatever church is close by, and it may not be a good church. You know, if there's, if there's no good church, people kind of feed on junk food. It's kind of like your children. You, you want them to eat good food, but they always want junk food. It's, uh, it's kind of childish if all you, all you want to eat is junk food. So we should, uh, we should want spiritual food. We should try to be different and, and seek after the word. Like you mentioned, a pastor is important, but also if, if your heart's not right, you should be trying to seek, seek more, seek, uh, seek his truth. Back in Psalm 119, verse 37, it says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Verse 38, Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted unto thy fear. Verse 113, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I hate. So people that don't read this verse, don't read this chapter, they follow after vanity. They, they live in, in, um, in the, the world we have today, and they see the Christian entertainment centers, and they, they flock to it, and they flock to, to being entertained, and um, six flags for Jesus, what they call it, and it's, it's because they're vain. They're following after vain teachers, what we have today, teachers that refuse to, to read the Bible. They, they don't want to be in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was supposed to be about the New Testament, and they need a, they need a fire lit up. So those pastors also need to be lit up because the next thing is the, the Word of God, the fire of the Word of God lights a fire for you to fight. Turn over to Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20 is uh, the Apostle Paul preaching about false teachers also. Starting in verse 28, we read, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch... And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So I'm encouraged here by Pastor Tommy because it always seems like he's always fighting something. Like he doesn't stay stagnant like, oh, okay, I've achieved it. Like he's always looking for something else, the next battle. He was teaching us uh, this past week in the extracurricular talks about um, uh, 70 AD and uh, preterism and all these views on the end times. And so just having that, having that desire to fight. You know what? The Bible is important. The Bible is is, uh, is, is worth fighting for, just keeping that, keeping that heart of fire. The Apostle Paul reminds us and warned us of these false teachers because they were preaching a gospel that was false. They were lying to the people. They were leading the people astray when there was destruction coming. The Babylonians were coming, and they weren't going to be nice. They were just going to wipe everything out. But the people just chose to just live a, a vain life and follow the, follow the false teachers. Now, when you're out there uh, preaching the gospel, you're going to battle false doctrine. That's why it's important for you to be in the book and just let that fire uh, consume you because it, you're going you're gonna to have it. If you have a desire to go out there and preach the gospel, you're going to run into false teachers. You're going to battle false doctrine. 
and you may even have it in your family. Like your family might fall into, into some kind of false doctrine, and you'll have to, you'll have to battle with that. So we've got to feed on his word. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 14. A popular fad that's happening today that people are falling into is this thing of the Hebrew roots. In Jeremiah chapter 14, similar to what we're reading in Jeremiah 23, talking about the, the people in the land of Judah. We read, Thus saith the Lord unto this people, Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet, therefore the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then said he the Lord unto them, Pray not for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. So these people today that want to go back to the Hebrew and be... um, be Jewish-like because they feel they're going to be closer to God or it increases their Christianity in some way. Like, if these people, like, are the Jews today more righteous than these people were here in Jeremiah 14? They're not. And there's a warning here for the people in that time that they needed to, to turn, that they were following false teachers. They were following. And God even said, pray not for these people. So we have people today that want to be about Israel, worshiping Israel, everything's about Israel. Well, if God in Jeremiah 14 told them not to pray for them because they were wicked, are the ones today more righteous than they are? If you look, they're not. Uh, Jerusalem is, is the capital of sodomy, I believe, in the world right now. So God wasn't nice to them back then. Why would he be today? Now, the thing that the Word of God, it's a fire, and it cleanses us from sin. Now, we're back in Jeremiah 23. Some will say, brother, well, that's the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. God's a lot nicer now towards the Jewish people. Pastor Tommy reminded us of 70 A.D. I never looked much into it, but that was the New Testament. 70 A.D., the destruction of Jerusalem. God's wrath went upon Jerusalem. He let let Rome destroy it. How is that any different than what happened here? Like, they were not righteous. They were wicked. And they didn't listen to Jesus Christ then. They're not going to listen to him now. So it's it's the same thing. Verse 9, 10, 11, and 14 is what we're going to read in Jeremiah 23 again. It says, Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine had overcome because the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. For the land is full of adulterers, for because of swearing the land mourneth. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. For both prophets and priests are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Verse 14, I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem... A horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers, and none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom, and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. So a mind that is feeding on God's word is going to be less likely to fall into sin. Because it's feeding the new man, that new creature that we have. You feed it through, through being in God's word. Now, if you, uh, if you deviate from God's word, from his book, and then you fill your mind, just want to be entertained in the entertainment of the world, you're filling your mind with the lust of the flesh, and that's how people fall into sin and just keep, keep going deeper into it. The prophets here in, uh, in Jeremiah were preaching vanity and leading the people to, to do that. They were pretty much just disobeying God, going away from the book of the law, and, and falling into sin. Now, Jeremiah lived through the revival of Josiah, 
he was preaching of that coming that coming judgment because he was seeing how sin was rampant. Like you know, God hates sin, and there's a punishment for for what was happening. They departed from the book of the law. In Psalm 119, verse 9, we read, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereon to according to thy word? So if we take heed, if we stay in the book, the book will keep us from sinning. Verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So if you hide his words in your heart, that will help you battle sin. There's false teachers today that will say you need to live a righteous life to be saved, and a lot of people kind of focus their, their thing on that. They'll see passages like this about uh, Jerusalem being destroyed for sins. So you know what? You need to live a righteous life or God's going to destroy you. That's, that's not the gospel. We're saved by grace through faith. God's wrath is on, on sin. He does hate sin, but salvation comes through faith. Our life, our righteous life is depending on how we walk. If we feed the new man, if we read his word and we try to live right, that's, that's going to bring blessings from God. But us sinning isn't going isn't to have us lose our salvation. Verse 101 says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. So if your desire is to keep his word, to live, live a righteous life, you will refrain from, from evil things because your desire is with God. Your desire is in his word. Verse 133, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So we pray to God. We, we see that in his word and we, our desire is to, for God to help us. God can help us to, to live righteously, to not have iniquity. Our, our own personal strives and trying to be sinless is not going to earn us a place in heaven. If you believe on Christ, you have that faith, you're saved, your place is there. It's your job to, to read the Bible and to, to try to live a righteous life with his help, not to get to heaven. Now with that same thing, just going on to the next one, fire afflicts. Affliction isn't always, isn't always bad. It isn't always a punishment for sin. Affliction can help you to, to, to get better. As we see in verse 71 and verse in, uh, chapter 119, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Sometimes we need a kick in the pants to kind of wake us up a little bit and, and lead us to, to, to be better. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. So we sometimes need a little bit of affliction, like the fire burns. Sometimes we need that burning to, to help us to, to, to get better, to keep on going in a better way. The fire also brings boldness. To God's word, God's fire brings us boldness. Like we saw the work, the work of the law in the life of Josiah, it emboldened him. It made him want to try to have a better country, have a better Judah that, that was going to seek after God. He was bold enough to clean up Jerusalem. Turn over to 2 Kings chapter 23. As you you turn there, I'm going to read some verses from Psalm 119. Verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation, according to thy word. Verse 42. So shall I have wherewithal to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. Verse 46. I will... Speak of thy testimonies also before kings. So in Second Kings chapter 23, we read exactly what, what um, Josiah did. So he looked at the land. He saw the book of the law. He read it. And he said, you know what? There's a lot of things that have to change. Everything went astray from his grandfather Hezekiah. In verse, verse 5, we see, and he put down the idolatrous priests. So he saw the wickedness, the false teaching, the false doctrine that was going, and he put down the priests. 
in verse 6, we said, And he brought out the groves from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem and the brook of Kidron, and burned at the brook of Kidron and stamped it small to powder, and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. And he brake down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hanging in the grove. So he went after the houses of Sodomites. This is something that's repeated over and over as you look at all the kings of Israel. It seemed to be as soon as one went wicked, they would bring them back. So back and forth, it's a constant battle to, to battle sin. And the, the Sodomites has, has never been something that was good for a land. It says here that the land was grieved. The land was, was wicked. And all the sin and all the idolatry that was there was, was part of it. In verse 12, we see it in the altars which Manasseh had made, the two courts of the house of the Lord, did the king break down and break them down from thence and cast the dust of them unto the book Kedron. So in verse 14 also, he break the images and cut down the groves and fill their places with the bones of men. So sometimes we, we have to do that in our lives. We have to see, you know what, there, there's wicked things in my life. I, want, I need to break them down to, to, get, to get better, to, to have a better life. Now the last thing is God's word unites. So if you have a desire to, to love his word, to love his church, unity is going to be what, what you're going to desire. Turn over to Genesis chapter 11. As you turn there, I'm going to read to you Philippians uh, verse 1, 27, 28, and 29. We read, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So here the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to stand fast in one spirit and one mind in unity. Now, when you bring people together, you're going to have clashes of personality. People are different, but our, our main goal should be to unite it. Regardless whether two people agree on this, that, or the other, our main goal should be Christ, should be to unify it in, in the work of God and, and uh, making this church go forward. Now, in chapter 11, we read about the, the Tower of Babel. Now, there's a lot of theories about Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, and sometimes you're tempted to kind of delve into all that conspiracy and what exactly happened, what were they doing because you see that they were, they were building a city and a tower. What was the city? What was this tower? How tall was it? What were they doing? Because in, um, in verse 4, we read, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make a name. So we know in verse 10 that Nimrod was the leader of, of this city of Babel. But in verse 11, it's uh, interesting to note that he's not mentioned. It talks about the people. The people were united. The people were one mind. A united people can accomplish great things. Yes, you do need a leader and a, a pastor that's willing to feed the sheep. But like I said, if the sheep don't have that hunger, it, the work is going to go in vain. So here in verse, 11, in verse uh, chapter 11 of, of Genesis, we read that these people were united. They were one people. Now, in my lifetime, I've seen technology kind of take leaps and bounds and even though the world's not united. So what we see now, how technology is, is taken, uh, taken off, imagine if we were united in one language, because right now we're divided by language, we're divided by governments. Imagine if, if everybody was together. How far would it go? It kind of, that's where that, that seed of thought, you know, what, what, what were they doing in Genesis 11? How, how far, where the whole world was united, what exactly were they doing? What were they doing that God had to come down to earth? 
In verse six we, we, verse 6, we see, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So imagine if the whole world now, which it will be, what would happen if they were all together? We know that in the last days, the world's going to be unified against God, which is what happened here. They were all united against God. Only God knows what exactly was happening. We can theorize them. I hope that in the end we can have to ask God, God, can you show me what happened in Tower of Babel? I want to see what that was. I really hope we can do that. Kind of turn on a movie and, and see, God, I want to see this, I want to see that. So it's important to see that unity is, uh, is important. And we see it here in a negative way. So if a wicked people can, can unify and, and, uh, against God, why can't we unify towards God and for a good purpose so we don't uh, suffer any kind, of, any kind of wrath? Now in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 17, we see, They say still unto them that despise me. The Lord hath said, Ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, No evil shall come upon you. Now, that being said, that this judgment that's going to come, let us motivate us to feed on his word. The judgment is coming. God's wrath is coming. And uh, we won't be part of the wrath. We will be part of the tribulation. And if this wicked city could unite against God, we should unite for God. United, not in, in an ecumenical type thing, but I'm talking about the local church, us here locally. God's word is a fire. So we should let it motivate us. Let it motivate us to to battle false doctrine. Let it motivate us to to cleanse our lives from sin. Let it motivate us to to unite in uh, in God's work with our with our brethren. Now don't don't be a hindrance when you come to church. Come in here with an appetite for truth, appetite to be edified, to to listen to what our pastor has, the 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 sermon he has prepared, the food that he has prepared for us, and um. Don't let the vanity that's out there in the world drag you down. We all have jobs. We all are around people that, that maybe bring us down, but don't let that bring you down. You need a, we need to learn from the mistakes of the past. That's what the Bible does. The Bible does have a lot of, a lot of things. We'll say there's a lot of mistakes in the Bible. Yeah, it's a lot of mistakes. The first one was when God re- when the, the people rejected God. That was the, the worst mistake of all. So we should, we should learn from all these mistakes that happened to, to have us live a better life and, and um, be more drawn to God. With that, uh, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for um, the lessons here that we learned in Jeremiah 23. We pray, Lord, that you uh, raise up more prophets and pastors that have a desire to feed feed your people. And that this word would, would uh, create in us a heart that hungers for that, Lord. We pray that we all would not um, neglect your book neglect the truth that's in there, that we would have an open heart and not be proud if we, uh, if we get caught up in something that's false and a false belief. We pray that we would be humble enough to, to see the truth in your word and, and receive it and receive correction so that we may all be united for you, Lord Jesus, for your, your movement, for your, um, your glory, and your gospel being proclaimed among the world. Amen.